Glory be to the Lord this morning. It is such an honor to be with you at this time uh, and to be in the house here. It's my first time at New Thing. And uh, I've seen you on screen, but I haven't seen you in person. Um, but it is beautiful to be amongst so many people who just have a heart for God. Uh, you didn't come here for anything else but to hear the Lord and to meet with him in times of worship. Amen. To be replenished. Amen. Why don't you just turn to somebody and say, I'm so glad that you are seated next to me. Come on, it really could have been anybody. You could have woken up today with a miserable person sitting next to you. And you could have woken up today with someone who didn't want to worship God and just came in. But I thank God that there's such a sweet spirit that's already in the house. Amen. And so uh, I thank God when I get the opportunity to be around people who are champions for worship. It means they put worship first. If nothing else, they get out of the service. If there's nothing else, they get out of the moment. They know that I can came, I was in the presence of God, and I gave him true worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. I want to thank your pastor, Io. Uh, he took me all the way back with his references there. I was remembering him in my house this morning as I was getting ready, and I was thinking, God, I have known this man a long time. Did I think I'll be standing in his church one day ministering to those people that God has given him uh, a certain level of leadership over and to serve? No. Uh, but I always knew I was created for great things. I always knew he would be a phenomenal leader. And so why don't you put your hands together for the set man of God in the house. Hallelujah. Thank you. God, why don't you put a praise on the back of that somehow? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm not a quiet preacher. I, I promise you I'm not going to move as much as I usually do because I know you're streaming. But, you know, ever so often I want you to grab the word and I want you to seal it with a praise. I don't want you to be quiet with me this morning. Amen. I want you to open your mouth. Let the devil know. Let him hear your roar. Let him hear that you're still alive. You're still fighting. You're still strong. You're still brave. You're still courageous. You're still trusting. You're still faithful. I want you to open your mouth and praise him as we come through this morning. I also want to give honor to the set woman over the house, uh, none other than L Lady Susan. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't, you know, I could, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me show you, hold on, hold on, let me say something to you now. I, I want you to really honor your leaders. Now, when you honor your leaders, you've got to stand. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of honor. Now, I'm not pushing you to do something you don't want to do. You want to stay seated. That's up to you. But I want you to really give a rambunctious, loud, uh, 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 trembling type of praise. That, come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. We glorify you. Amen. Thank you, God. Yeah, yeah. your praise breaks strategies of the adversary. Your praise sets a new tone and sound. Your praise lets the enemy know you can't touch them. That's what your praise does. Hallelujah. Come on, just shout hallelujah right there. Amen. Come on, high five someone on the way down. Say, don't keep quiet today. It's, it's not that type of service. I'm sorry for you quiet ones. Um, it's not that type of service today. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. 
Glory be to his name. Now, you know, when you, there's, there's levels of intercession that happen when you praise, you see. When you praise and you stand in the gap for your leaders, you set a sound in the atmosphere. You, as those who are serving alongside them, get to cascade your voice of praise, almost like an anthem before the adversary. Are you with me? Amen. I believe new thing is coming into such a beautiful season with God. I believe there's a, such a deep beautification that God is doing even in this house. But I want you to understand that you are just as integral as your leaders in this season. Let me say that one more time. You, your voice, your role, your assignment, your calling, your gift, your mouth your humility, your service, your countenance, your faithfulness, your commitment, your dedication is just as integral to what God wants to do in this ministry as anybody else. Amen. And so there's times when you're on the battlefield and the leaders will say what they need to say to the army that is with them. Amen. They will speak and they will usually use pronouns like us and we are going to fight and we are going to win and we are going to be victorious and we are going to take land and we are going to occupy and we are going to possess and we are going to establish the kingdom of God here in the earth realm. But what matters is not what the leaders say, it's what the people receive. And at the end of the talk, the leaders will usually look to the people and ask them to make a sound that is cognizant of their agreement in the season or in the battle they are stepping into. Are you with me? Amen. If you watch any fighting films and you see people go to war, there is a sound that comes from the people that lets the enemy know across the fog, across the way on the other side, that we are coming to possess our place. We are coming to possess our land. Are you with me? And so your sound is absolutely fundamental. And that's why the enemy has been fighting with some of you to keep your mouths closed, to make you think that you do not have the victory that God has already promised you that you have had. That's why the enemy's been trying to block your view and keep you oppressed in your emotion because he understands. That this next round is a winning round for you. And you are not in a testing season. You are in the triumphant season. You are in the victorious season. This is not the trials. I don't know why the Lord has me going here. But we're just going to go here for a moment. Amen. Paul talks about running the race. We want to finish well in the race. Are you with me? And there is a time when you run the race in his heat. Any athletes up in here? Anyone used to pray, run 100 meters, 200 meters, 400 meters hurdles? Okay, I got one person that was involved. One person said, I used to run for the school. <laughs> God bless you. Anybody else who used to run? Come on, sports day. I know some of you are in here. What did you do? Football. Football on sports day. Okay, okay, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Somebody pray for him. Um, who, what, who else? Who else? What did you do sports day, sir? High jump. I won't tell you my story of high jump. Um, I got, I, I won't. I, won't. <laughs> I was embarrassing. What did you do? Did you do anything sports day? Running 100 meters, 200 meters, 100 relay, 
no relay. Oh, I was looking for my, I was looking for my relay friends. So, so there are times when you in the sports, you have time to do the trials because we need you to trial and get it wrong. We need you to run around and not be your fastest speed so that you learn next time you run faster. We need you to hit the hurdles on the way when you're meant to jump the hurdles so you can work out a new strategy, a new way of doing it right. Because if we don't try, we won't fail. And if we don't fail, we don't learn. Amen. But this is not the heats. You have to know when the season shifts and you are in a season where you've got to run with victory because this is the real race. Are you with me? And that's why new thing, some of your personal warfare has felt like a continuous barrage. But for the glory of God. And that's why today's uh, um, sermon is uh, titled, Little girl, get up. Mm-hmm. Little girl, and I ain't speaking to just the women in here, but we're going to come for everybody in here today. Amen. Little girl, get up. Come on, I want you to tell that to somebody. Little girl, get up. Amen. Amen. You can stop playing. God bless you. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise and worship, and thank you, woman of God, for playing and ministering to us in song. And, and for those who have come, Elder Jackie, God bless you. And Oget, God bless you. Thank you for being here today with us. I want you to open your word and turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 8. The book of Luke, chapter 8. Little girl, get up. Mm. Oh, dear. Okay. Luke chapter 8, verse 41, uh, I'm going to read uh, nine verses. Now, I know for some of you who don't read your Bible, nine verses is a long way. But I believe we've got Bible readings, people up in here, up in here. Amen. Nine verses. And the reason is because if I get the nine verses in, it means I don't have to preach so long. Because I don't have to explain so much because we already got it. Are you with me? Okay. Verse 41, I'm going from. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. He wants Jesus to come to his house. For he had one only daughter. Somebody shout only daughter. About 12 years of age. And she lay a dying. But as he went... The people thronged him. As Jesus is ready to go, the people start coming up to him and probing him. And a woman having an issue of blood for 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians and doctors, neither could be healed of any, so no one can help this woman, came behind Jesus and touches the border of his garment. And that border of his garment, we know, was the hem of his garment, which actually was the talith he was wearing underneath his garment. But we won't preach on that today. And immediately, her issue of blood stopped. Immediately. Someone say immediately. immediately. And Jesus said, her, who touched me? 
And when all denied Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee. And sayest thou, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody, somebody has touched me. For I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, because she's now been exposed, the crowd is dispersed. She came trembling and falling down before Jesus. And she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him how she was healed immediately. Someone say immediately. And he said unto her, daughter, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now go in peace. While he yet spoke, there came one from the ruler of the synagogue's house. So someone who came from where Jairus used to function and operate. Someone runs in the midst of this conversation and says to him, your daughter, Jairus is dead. Don't trouble Jesus. Don't trouble the master. And when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you that your word brings life, it transforms, it changes. Father, we pray, God, that you would speak life into this room, Father. Our God, we pray that all flesh would decrease and your spirit would increase with accuracy and precision, foresight, wisdom, knowledge, and revelation, that there would be consequences of this word and new conclusions from this word. And we be sure to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise that is due unto to your matchless name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Glory be to his name. Thank you, God. I want to talk about two things. Uh, uh, what's my title again? Just checking. Okay. All right. So we've got two people in the scripture. The Bible tells us as we open up that Jairus has come with a need. He has a 12-year-old girl, 12 years old. She is just an, an infant, really. She's just a child, should I put it like that. She's not even a teenager. Uh, she doesn't know what it is to be autonomous, think for herself, feed herself, make certain choices, cook for herself, all of these type of things. She hasn't encountered it, maybe not had her first relationship, maybe she's not entered into certain friendship circles because when you're 12, most of your parents make most of your decisions, amen? But yet she is sick unto death, which means that whatever has been diagnosed to her has come with a conclusion. Uh, it's different when the Bible tells you someone's sick, but when it says sick unto death means that it's a foregone conclusion. Whatever she was diagnosed with in the diagnosis was an end date. That you will only live to this set time. You will only live to this set place. You will only live to this set point. And even in this room this afternoon, God is breaking some of these cycles in our lives. He's breaking some things that were spoken over us, some things that were diagnosed over us, where people said you will only live to a set time and to a set date. You will only reach the same age as your mother. You will only reach the same age as your father, but you won't go beyond that. But this morning, the devil is a liar, and I come to let somebody know you will exceed the lifespan of your parents. Okay, all right. Okay. Okay, and so Jairus is there, 12-year-old daughter. She's sick and she's ill, and he comes to Jesus, 
And when he comes to Jesus, he comes to his feet because he comes with humility. And one of the things I love about Jairus is that even though he's a man of influence, he's a ruler in the synagogue, he's a man of reputation, he's a man who knows principles and laws and orders, he's a man who's known by the public, that means he's a man who has a lot of, how can I say, not just influence, but he has leverage. It means that when he says certain things and he turns up in certain rooms, that people know who he is. Amen. We live in an age where being an influencer is such a big thing. People are influencers online. People are influencers on different parts of social media and influencers in their community and influencers in politics and influencers in fashion and technology and makeup and beauty beauty and you name it we got influences for everything and unfortunately in our culture many people want to be influencers but just because you have influence doesn't mean you get to leverage that with God I come to let somebody know in the room you can't leverage influence with God you can't use your popularity you can't use your numbers of following you can't use your prior experience your triumphs your certificates or your qualifications to get Jesus's attention. Uh, Jesus responds to people who come in a spirit of humility. You can use your influence to trade and negotiate out there, but when it comes to spiritual things, God looks for those who come lowly in spirit. He looks for those who come in humility, for he says, I resist the proud, but I exalt the humble. Yeah. Humility. Amen. And we have to be careful in our generation that our, how can I say, our course and our attitude towards God is not one of entitlement. I don't come into the presence of God to praise him because he owes me something. No, 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 no. The debt that I needed to pay, he already paid on the cross. Hallelujah. If anyone is owing of anything, it's me. Amen. It's us. And so Jairus comes in such a humility. He understands, I gotta get low before Jesus. And he comes on his knees, hallelujah, and at the feet of Christ. And he makes his petition. And his petition is so necessary because he only has one daughter. It gives the impression by inference that maybe he has other children. But he only has one daughter. He may have had many sons, but only one daughter. Amen. And when he comes, he understands that there is this diagnosis that has been put on her. And if Jesus does not do something now, there is a chance that she will die. Are you with me? And some of us are in situations in this room where we understand if Jesus don't show up in my life right now, I don't know if I can wake up tomorrow and still go back to work. I don't know if I can deal with some of the issues happening in my family. I don't know if I can deal with some of the issues happening in my workplace. I don't know if I can deal with some of the warfare that's happening in my mind. Because you know what I understood? I understood that at least over the last two to three years, the end enemy has been incredibly intentional about battles of the mind. 
You know, back in the day, you used to say, uh, you know, I got robbed and these things happened and these things, and the more tangible things, physical things. But he has upped, uh, upped his level of spiritual uh, warfare to the degree that he wants your mind. Because if he has your mind, Susan, he has everything pertaining to you. And the other day I was saying to the Lord, God, I got friends who sometimes they say to me, you know, Satan's been battling me with this and he ruined this for me and, you know, he, he broke up this. And, and, and I was thinking, God, that has not been my testimony. And you know how people be telling you, Pastor Isle, that, you know, the warfare of the enemy, you know, indicates to you kind of that you're on the right path with God. <laughs> you know, and I'm looking for the warfare because <laughs> I want to know that I'm on the right path. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, if you're not careful, you start creating wars. Um, but I, I was looking for the warfare and I said, God, that's just not my story in this season. Does that mean? And I started asking God for real. Uh, what's going on? Uh, am I on the right course? How comes I'm not feeling, you know, these people going through so much resistance. I'm not feeling so much resistance like that. But then the Lord sat me down. And he showed me, no, you don't, you haven't been experienced tangible resistance, Charlotte. But you have been experienced spiritual resistance. And, and you know what he started to do? He started to go through how many times I had been in prayer in the week. He started to go through how many times I'd been in worship and in his presence that week. And he then went to the week before that. And then he went to the month before that. And then he went to the month of month before that month. And it wasn't too long before I realized that even though I wasn't encountering so much physical resistance, lots of activity in my life that was resisting me, the battle in my spirit and my mind was on 10. And the challenge about the mental warfare is that nobody can see it. Oh. That's the danger of the warfare of the mind. Is that you, you're sitting here and you look cute, but we don't know what's happening in your mind. We don't know what's happening in your thoughts. You're in the workplace. You're doing the job, but we don't know what's happening in your mind. You're in your family. You're eating at the table, but we don't know what's happening in your mind. Hallelujah. You're in worship. You're lifting your hands, but we don't know what's really happening in your mind. But I come to let somebody know this morning, God has come to heal your mind. God has come to deal with the warfare in your mind. And so I prophesy even now that whatever has been warning against you, contending against your mind, or whatever has been speaking against your mind, whatever has been looming over your mind, whatever weapons of warfare have been contending against your mind, whatever words have been spoken against your mind, whatever voices from the shadows of your past that keep speaking to you in your present, whatever they are, we silence them in the name and the blood of Jesus this morning. For no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And we establish that in the word. I want you to shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. Battle of the mind. That's why we need constant transformation and renewal that can only come from the word of God to transform our minds. Amen. And the way that we think even this morning. Hallelujah. 
And so whilst Jairus is there, I want to move quickly. He's talking about this daughter. And, and in the midst of his petition, Jesus starts to walk with him. And there is an interruption. The worst thing that can happen in your life is when you're waiting for God to do something. And you're praying for him to move on your behalf and petitioning for him to move on your behalf. And then suddenly stuff just happens in your life. You ever had just stuff to start breaking out in your life to the point where your request has been forgotten? The children start acting up. Your marriage starts having challenges. Workplaces all hell. The ministry's going through contention. And actually what you were requesting from God before all hell broke out seems to have been pushed to the back of your mind because other things are contending for your time, contending for your energy, contending for your focus. Are you with me? And so as Jesus is walking, this woman comes and she touches him and he recognizes it. And he stops and he asks these questions, who touched me? We read the story. And it's this woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. And I'm looking, thinking, we're back to the number 12, twice in the same scripture. And God is not a God of coincidence. He is a God of revelation, but he's not a God of coincidence. And she tells him her plight. I had an issue for 12 years in my body. In fact, scholars have actually said it was a bleeding problem related to her menstrual cycle. And it made her unclean. When you are unclean, according to Leviticus 15, it means that you, are a, you don't just have a physical problem, but you also have a social problem. Can I tell you why? Because her physical issue meant that she couldn't come into certain areas. She couldn't be amongst certain people. She couldn't sit in certain rooms. Her voice couldn't be heard by certain people. Are you with me? She didn't have access to certain places. Her influence was limited. Her impact was limited. Are you with me? Her mobility was limited because when you are unclean, you cannot come and dwell amongst people like that. She would have been moved as an outsider, someone to stay on the outside, but you don't get to come in. In fact, if someone who was seen as unclean touched you, you would be deemed as unclean. Deep in it. Thank God we don't move like that now. We're not under the law. Because none of us would be touching anybody. Can I get an amen? Amen. We thank God for grace. Amen. And so she is there with this physical issue now. And she is standing there with God, with, uh, with Jesus. And she's explaining that I have this physical issue and it has kept me bound for so long. It has held me up. But the moment I touched you, the moment I pressed into you, hallelujah, after 12 years of agony, 12 years of pain, 12 years of being talked about by people, 12 years of being rejected by people, after 12 years, God, I touched the hem of your garment and my life was not the same. For immediately as I pressed into you, something happened deep in my physical body. And I am not the same. 
She didn't need a doctor to turn up on the stage and say you have been healed. She didn't need a physician to turn up on the stage and say you've been healed. That means there was something in her physical body that changed immediately as she pressed into God. And she was able to stand and say, in that moment, my life was changed and I was healed. I come to let somebody know this morning, I don't know what has tried to hold you back from really pressing into God in this season. I don't know what has been getting in the way of your mind, getting in the way of your emotion, getting in the way of your plans. But God sent me here this morning to let somebody know if you press into me today, there are some physical ailments, some diagnosis the doctor gave you, some fibroids I'm about to heal, some back pains you got I'm about to heal, some cancers I'm about to heal, and not just that, but I hear the Lord say, if you do it and you intercede for your loved ones today, I will send healing virtue beyond this room to your house, beyond this room to your home, beyond this room to your family, do you know the God you serve? Somebody shout, do it, Lord. I told you it wasn't going to be a quiet service. I told you. I told you. I told you. Just call his name, Jesus, for me. Just say it one more time, nice and loud. One more time. Now, now, you know when you call Jesus, I want you to do it from here, not from here. You know? Yeah? Just call his name one more time. Oh, that sounds a bit better. Okay. So she said, this has happened to me for for 12 years. And she's concerned, a little embarrassed, because she knows nobody really wants her to touch Jesus, not for real. You know, there are sometimes some people who profit from your isolation. There's some people who profit from you not being in your place, not releasing your sound, not being bold, not being confident. There's people who actually glory in the fact that you ain't recognize who you are yet, that you're not whole the way that maybe they perceive that they are. But I come to let you know that you should never let anyone in this season isolate you. Not by word or by conduct. God is pulling some of you even today out of isolation. Because you've been looking at your infirmity. You've been looking at your issues. And saying, God, I can't do that. I can't be there. I can't say that. I can't build that. I can't establish that. But God sent me here to say, If you press into me today, I will deal with what has been gripping your soul and deliver you into the freedom you need to be the man or woman necessary in this season because I'm doing a new thing. High five somebody say, get out of isolation. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. And so in this scripture... Ah, uh, we got two people, we got two women, but Jesus then turns round and he says to this woman in her moment of embarrassment, he says to her daughter, verse 48, be of good comfort. 
Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. In essence, you don't need to be ashamed anymore. <laughs> you don't have to be afraid. I see you. I know you touched me. But go in peace. Your accusers are no longer here. <laughs> go in peace. It reminds me of the story of Moses. Moses, go and do what you know you need to do. Come out of this back wilderness you put yourself in. And let me teach you how to be the man or woman I called you to be. Put your back straight. Lift your head up. Put your shoulders back. And go before Pharaoh. Come out of this wilderness you've been in. Go and be the man I called you to be. Go be the woman I called you to be. For I've dealt with your enemies. I've destroyed those who raise accusation against you. For even in this atmosphere, God is silencing some of your adversaries. Hallelujah, God. And so I found it interesting, and I'm wrapping up now with these points. I found it interesting that we are in a scripture where this woman interrupts Jairus' request. And Jairus didn't move nowhere. Can you stand next to me, sweetheart? Uh, this is Jesus today. You all right? <laughs> and I'm Jairus. And in the middle of all this frenzy, Jairus does not get offended that Jesus has made someone else a priority. Oh, let me leave that with you. Let me, let me let that sit for a moment. In essence, you know, competition comes into the church when we start comparing our requests with what other people requested and how quickly they got their breakthrough rather than how quickly we are still waiting for our breakthrough. Are you with me? Hallelujah. But Jairus was not a competitive individual. He understood the timing of God is perfect. And what's for me is for me. What's for my daughter is for my daughter. And there's nothing you can do or say to nullify the purpose of God in my life. And so he made up in his mind, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to trust in God even though he ain't moving for me but he's moving for her. I ain't going to talk about the fact she got her miracle even though I'm still waiting for mine. And let's made it into some of our prayer life. Some of our prayer life has been ridden with accusations to God where we said God I've been waiting for five years come on I've been waiting for eight years talk to me someone I've been waiting for three months and four years and how comes I ain't married yet and she is how comes they got the business and I don't how comes she's elevating a ministry and I'm not how comes they got financial breakthroughs but I haven't how come she got the promotion but I've been praying for it how comes they got the elevation and I've been asking for it how comes they got the prophecy and the gift and the anointings when I'm still waiting, God. But I come to silence the devil who has been in your ear. 
but the timing of God is perfect and God is not slack concerning his promises what he said to you sir what he said to you ma'am it shall happen just as God said and just when God intends for it to happen why don't you give him a praise right there why don't you thank him that there's no delay why don't you praise him that he hasn't forgotten you hallelujah why don't you let the enemy know I'm tired of you speaking up in my ear and telling me certain things God's timing is perfect hallelujah amen I know some of you are getting it I can see it already I can see it already hallelujah and so Jairus not only does he not get offended not only does he not he don't start to talk bad about this woman he understands God knows what I need God sister friend has not forgotten about what you need but he is looking at your attitude in the waiting Jairus holds his position in essence, I'm not going to move till God moves. I'm not going to start switching up. I'm not going to run ahead of God. I'm not going to do things in my own strength and my power. I'm going to stay here until God moves. And when God moves, I move. And when God speaks, I speak. And when he says yes, I say yes. And when his spirit says, walk ye in the way thereof, I will go. For whatever God has predetermined for your life, it shall come to pass amen God bless you Jesus is there and Jairus understands uh, now Jesus has finished with her he is ready for me oh and what a thing when you've been waiting on God and you are now excited Pastor Susan that now is your time and suddenly a man runs in familiar someone you know from the synagogue and he comes in and interrupts the attention you have just regained hallelujah and says the daughter the only daughter that you prayed and consulted God for just a couple minutes ago before you were interrupted, that daughter, she is now dead. She's not breathing anymore. She's not moving anymore. Her heart is not beating anymore. She is lying dead in the house at home. And believe it or not, because of the culture, mourners would have already been in the house. And traditionally, in those times, you would have had flute players and mourners that came in attire. And they were professional mourners who would always turn up when there was a death. And so the atmosphere was already, uh, was already determined. The atmosphere was already created. People were already crying their tears. Mothers were already wailing. People were already coming in their numbers.
neighbors. People were already leaning with wounds and emotional wounds and scars and the loss of a child, a child, not even 10, not sorry, not even 13, not even 14, just 12 years old. A child, she hadn't lived yet. She hadn't begun a career yet. She hadn't got married yet, just a child, but she's dead already. She's 10 at 12 years old, just 12 years old, Jesus. She trusted that she would get her healing on the merit of her father's intercession. But even in the midst, there was a death. And the request Jairus once had, had died. What happens in the, the waiting when your request dies? You don't even ask for it anymore. You don't even pray. When Jesus, two people can hear the same thing but respond completely differently. Jesus hears the news, okay. And Jesus turns around and he understands what has transpired and he says, fear not, mm. believe only. And she shall be made whole. 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 Hey, Abakasala Bahaya. Hey, Kushikiaba. I don't know what you've been waiting on. God told me the broken pieces you've been trying to put back together again in your prayer and in your heart. God told me to come and tell you this morning. It shall be made whole. It shall be completed and perfected. Can I tell you why? I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why the warfare has been so hard. When I sat with God in the scripture and I empathize with the struggle that was happening, the tensions that were happening in this scripture, I couldn't get past the fact that both men refer to their child as daughter. Jesus calls a woman who he physically did not give birth to a daughter. And Jairus wants you to know in this text that this is their only daughter. And I began to seek God and I said, God, what is it about daughters that you want to highlight in this ministry this morning? What is the depth that you are trying to give to this season of their life? 
And I started to look up the word daughter. Let me unpack it for you. When we talk about daughter, you have to understand the text doesn't give the name of Jairus' daughter. And in this portion of text, you are not given the name of the woman who had the issue of blood. So both women are nameless because their names are not necessary. Their names are not important. What is important is that they are daughters. Somebody say daughters. Daughters are only understood in relation to their fathers or their parents, their mothers or their, fa their, mothers or their um, fathers. So you only use the word daughter when you refer to someone's identity in the context of their parents. Does that make sense? Okay. The difference between a daughter and a son is this. A female child is the offspring of her parents and has ovaries and can produce eggs. Which means that a daughter has reproductive organs. I said, okay, God, what, where are we going with this? And then the Lord said, the daughter of Jairus was 12 years old and the woman with the issue of blood was struggling for 12 years. Okay. I said, okay, God. And he said, okay. He said, 12 is the number of completion. 12 is the number of divine order. 12 is also the number of a nation. When I wanted the 12 tribes of Israel to form the nation of Israel, I used the perfect number of 12. I said, okay, God, but how does this fit into what you want to say this morning? The Lord said to me this. He said, a new thing, have produced some daughters. I'm not talking about physical daughters, women with hair and all these things. I'm talking about there is a seed that you have birthed somewhere over the course of the last few months, maybe even the last year or so, or maybe even more. Uh, there's something that you have birthed that has reproductive potential. You can give birth to many children, but there are certain children that God favors in Scripture. God favors in Genesis 39, he favors a Joseph. He favored Joseph in Potiphar's house, and he favored him in the prison. Are you with me? There are many children in Scripture, but God favored Abraham, moved him to another nation, called him away. There are many people in Scripture, but God favored an Esther, drew her out the palace, had a Mordecai say to her, you've been called for such a time as now. There are many things that can be produced, but there are some things that God favors. I want you to shout favor. Because somewhere in your life, God sent me here this morning to say, you birthed a daughter and you don't even know it. You birthed something in this season that has reproductive potential. It has the potential to be enlarged and grow. It has the potential to bear a lot of fruit. It has the potential to make you economically wealthy. It has the potential to expand your horizons. It has a potential to grow your influence. It has a potential to save souls. It has a potential to heal vastly. It has a potential to become a franchise. It has a potential to birth hubs. It has a potential to have an education system. But God said, you don't recognize you birthed a daughter. And the enemy in this season has been chasing down your daughter. And unless you recognize what it is you gave birth to in this season that has become your daughter, Daughter, 
It has become the thing God wants to use to produce ample fruit in this season. It's the thing God is about to use to take you to a next level in your life with him. But you've got to find your daughter. You've got to work out in this season. What is it that you birthed that the enemy is trying to kill physically? Because that's what he was trying to do with the woman with the issue of blood. He tried to kill her physically. He tried to weaken her physically. He tried to isolate her physically. The enemy is trying to get you to isolate the very thing that you have birthed. He's trying to get you to withhold the very thing that you have birthed. He's trying to make you afraid of the very thing that you have birthed. But can I tell you no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Hallelujah! And every tongue that is risen against you we condemn it in the name of Jesus the Christ. For what God has birthed and what God has brought forth in this season it shall produce fruit. It shall go forth and do all that God has intended and mandated it to be. And you shall be fruitful. I want you to say I'll be fruitful. We're nearly there. We're nearly there, honestly. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. I said, okay, God, we got these, these daughters. And when you don't understand what you have birthed, and you don't understand the power of what you've birthed in different seasons, you will go through warfare and not know how to defend yourself. You have to learn to protect the things God has you birthed. The businesses, the ideas. You must learn to protect what you have birthed. Some of you don't understand that what you have birthed is so powerful. You are underestimating the potential of what you have birthed. And the enemy is doing everything that he can to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So this morning, some of you will be like the woman with the issue of blood and you will press into God's presence and he will bring you physical healing and God will bring healing to every area that has suffered for warfare contention because you pressed in. But there are some of you like Jairus' daughter. She was 12 and like I said, for 12 years of age, she died. What does that mean to us in the context of what we've just said? I didn't understand it until I looked further in the scripture. And the Bible says that when Jesus turns up to the house, the mourners are already there. What you don't understand is that the enemy has already been gathering the mourners. Because he didn't expect you to hear what God was saying this morning. He has already sent people to your house with dark grave clothes on. Before you've even got started, he's already been telling you it's done and it's over. He has already determined you ain't coming back from this defeat since the last seven months of this year. He has already determined that you won't understand how fruitful you can be in this season with God. He's already determined that and he's already waiting with a song of defeat. 
But when Jesus comes on the scene, he goes into the house. And hear this now. The Bible tells us, Pastor Idol, that as he walks into the house and the mourners are there, he gathers with only a small few. As he comes, he comes, verse 51, with Peter and James and John. Because in this season, it is the power of your inner circle that is going to help push you into what God has said. Let me say that one more time. Some of you around too many people. You're in too many cliques, too many places, too many social events, too many prophetic meetings, too many, oh, oh, too many prayer meetings. And actually, where God needs you to be is with your inner circle. You're looking for a prophet to help push you through into this season. You're looking for an apostle to help push you through into the season but I come to tell you the power is in your inner circle it's in people who have walked with you in this journey people who have encouraged you in this journey people who know how to bear you up in this journey weep with you in this journey cry with you in this journey and uphold you in this journey it's about your inner circle somebody say inner circle inner circle this is the inner circle moment this is the inner circle moment you can't afford to move with a crowd because they don't have the faith for what God wants to do in this season of your life no 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 they don't and if you're not careful the enemy will use voices in this season to provoke you to go this way and provoke you to go that way and provoke you to go here and provoke you to go there when God is saying I have already produced something in your life that you need to protect that you need to produce, that you need to nurture, that you need to nourish, that you need to grow. It's about your inner circle. The power is in your inner circle. In this season, I have learned to shut my way and shut myself away from some meetings and some gatherings and some places. They just don't see me like they saw me last year. I'm not turning up there because God don't need me to be there. And I can be your friend and love you and still not be at your event. Okay, 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 okay. I'm trying to find two or three people I can say. Thank you, Pastor Ayo. I said, I can love you and want the best for you and want to see you thrive. It doesn't mean I need to be at every meeting. I do not need to be at every conference. I do not need to be at every gathering. Be who God needs you to be. Reach the people God needs you to reach. Do it and stand in the confidence and boldness of the election he has put over your life. Walk in the volume of the book that is written concerning you. You don't need my book with your book. When I need to be serving people this way. And you need to be serving people that way. And so the only way that competition and that kind of insecurity creeps in is when you become dependent on people. When you should be dependent on God. Tell somebody not round here, not round here. I said, not round here. Okay. Now, if it gets to you that I ain't there, now, honey, that's on you. Because I just need to be where he's called me to be. Amen. All right, all right, all right. Amen. And so, as he's there and Jesus turns up, he walks into that room with this in the crowd. And uh, hear this now. The, the killer thing is this part, Pastor Ayo. People were laughing. People see Jesus coming to revive some things because God's reviving some things in this room. He's not just healing, he's reviving. He's waking it up. He's stirring it up. 
Some dry bones gonna get back up again. Some dreams are about to spring back to life again. Some partnerships you know they broke up about to come back together again. Some negotiations you know they lost God's about to put back on the table again. God's breathing again. He's moving again and he walks in. And when he walks in, people start laughing. start laughing you know they find it funny that Jesus thinks he can change this thing he's laughing but you know something I've learned over periods of time doing counseling with people laughter sometimes is not there to intimidate you they're not laughing because they want to intimidate you. Sometimes people are laughing because it's part of their own emotional defense. That rather than to be vulnerable in the moment, they armor up. And so laughter and humor can become part of the defense. Some people don't like to be deep. You ask them anything deep, they find something humorous to say. Because they don't like the feeling of being vulnerable. I come to let somebody know God needs your vulnerability in this season. It's easy to laugh off what God is saying. But God is saying in this room, I want you to be vulnerable. As the people are gathered there laughing their heads off, Pastor Susan. Jesus brings the parents and the inner circle into the room. And everyone is waiting. Is the situation going to change? Or will it stay the same? He takes all the people and he pushes them out. I want you to know for what God's doing in you thing, for the fruitfulness he's about to bring to some of your life as he heals and revives in this room. You need to push some people out the room of your life. Some people have been laughing for too long. You've let too many people get too close. You've got too many voices in your ear. Jesus says, you, 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 leave the room. You know my inner circle, Pastor Susan, is two people. The two people I know when it comes to matters of the spirit faithfully. They got my back. They got my back in rooms I'm not in. You understand what I'm saying, honey? Jesus says, too many people in the room. Auntie Bella, you gotta go. <laughs> Pastor Ryan, you gotta go. 
prophet Ade, you gotta go. And all five of you in the back row, you gotta go. Too many people in the room. And then he says, now let's get to work. You see this season? Clear the room. It's time to get to work. Clear the room. Clear the room. Clear the room. Glory to his name. You might be offended, but may God give you the grace to understand, but clear the room. Come on, come on. I can't be there because God has told me I need to be here. I gotta clear the room. I'm sorry. I gotta clear the room. I gotta clear the room. And as he clears the room, he but says one thing. He puts them all out. He takes the young girl by the limp hand because there's no life in her. And he calls out to her saying, Talitha Kumai. Which in your English version will either say maid arise or little girl. come to let somebody on this row know, little girl, get up. I come to let you know, little girl, get up. What God's got for you in this season, you can't afford to be isolated. Little girl, get up. Get up. Get up. Someone on your row needs to get up. And they're getting up in the power of God's resurrection and revival. I know you thought your best days were your past days. But Pastor Io, your best days, you ain't even got a revelation of yet. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Let me say that one more time. I said your best days you have not got a revelation about. There are some things, Pastor Io, God has concealed from you prophetically in this hour. So that you would not harm that which God is about to do in your life. No one will take the glory for what God is going to do in you thing. For just as God promised that 12 would be the hour of healing. And 12 would be the hour of reviving and resurrection. 12 was also the hour of birthing a nation. And God sent me here with one assignment for new thing. To let some of you know that as you get into your position and purpose. God says I'm going to give you the nation I promised you. I'm going to give you the harvest, I promise you. I'm going to give you the souls, I promise you. I'm going to give you the breakthrough, I promise you. I'm going to give you the open door, I promise you. I'm going to give you the opportunities, I promise you. I'm going to give you the dreams I showed you. Are you with me? I will give it to you. But you got to. Little girl, you gotta get up. Little girl, you gotta get up. Because no one's coming to stir you up. Jesus just said, Little girl, you wanna be made whole? Get up. Man by the pole of Bethesda, you wanna be made whole? Get up. It's time now. You've been crying for too long. 
You've been carrying that shame for too long. You've been carrying that guilt for too long. Or you've been talking yourself out of a position I appointed you into for too long. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up and put some clothes back on your back again. Get back up and walk back in them rooms like you belong. Get back up in your prayer closet and touch your knees and cry out to me like you used to. Get back up in your prayer and your praise language and begin to praise me like you used to. Get back up and stand in your feet with confidence like you used to. Get back up and prophesy like you used to. Get back up and preach like you used to. Worship like you used to. Pray like you used to. Write like you used to. Teach like you used to. I'm just looking for five people to get it. You gotta get up, little girl. You gotta stand up on your own two feet when nobody ain't around or learn to encourage yourself in the Lord like David. You gotta learn how to walk this season out with grace. Suffer well, but know that God does not turn his back on sacrifice for he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Little girl, 